Hey everyone, welcome back to Seeking Witchcraft. I'm your host, Ashley, and today I have on a return guest, Joanne, from the Mediumship episode. Welcome back, Joanne. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I am Joanne from J. Rose Apothecary, also better known for my witchy tips on both TikTok and Instagram. We had a great Mediumship episode and loved, loved, loved talking with you, Joanne, and I'm so excited to have you back for this one. Oh, it was awesome talking to you. I feel like we covered a lot in that episode and I'm excited to be back. So yes, yes. Love it. Uh, You know, so for those listening, after Joanne and I recorded the previous episode, we stuck around and we were just having a ball talking to each other, honestly. (laughs) So we, I think we stuck on for like an hour or so after that episode. Yes, we did. It was awesome. (laughs) Just talking about like witchcraft and magic and, and all sorts of topics. So we decided we wanted to meet up again and record another episode, but we didn't really have a set agenda for this episode. So we kind of sent some random topics to each other and gonna be a little bit of an uncensored episode and where we just kind of see where it lands us and have fun with it yes i love it those are always the best aren't they though (laughs) oh absolutely absolutely and so one of the first topics that we kind of proposed to each other was this topic of nurturing or awakening your inner witch and with Samhain coming up not too far from now we thought this can be kind of like a cool topic to discuss because everyone wants to be a witch around halloween right Yes, of course. Why not? It's the best time to do it, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's when all of the Halloween stuff's out at Michael's and places like Salem get bombarded with tourists. Uh-huh. And it is just quite the uh the fun fun time. Pumpkin spice is in the air and so are the spirits <laughs> of the world. I don't know. <laughs> well, they definitely are because the veil is the thinnest. So mediumship is always so much stronger, especially during that time of year where the veil is so thin. It's it's very interesting how it shifts in a sense. Like I'm a medium all year long, but something about that Samhain air, so to speak. So let me ask you, do you feel the same around Beltane? And, and I ask because for those who don't know in the Southern Hemisphere, when those of us in America, for example, are celebrating Samhain, they're celebrating Beltane. And I've heard they're kind of just, they're they're opposite from each other. So I, I always wondered about in places like America or the Northern Hemisphere, if you experience that as well during that time. You know, it's interesting, not as strong as a shift. Like you could feel the shift of the energy in mediumship for me around Beltane, not as much as when we're uh, even approaching Samhain. It's very different feeling, actually. Yeah. And, you know, I guess some of that could be attributed to the spirits themselves, uh, especially if they lived in the Northern Hemisphere and maybe during their human lives, for example, they know about Halloween, they know about Samhain, and they know, oh, this is the time of year where the living are really connected with us. So I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. I have no clue. <laughs> It's definitely a possibility. I I can only go based by my own experience. And I would say that you definitely feel a shift, uh, but not as much for me during Samhain. Um, Beltane is, it it seems a little lighter to be, to be honest, but they do come through clearer. If this makes sense, it's, they always come through clear, but there are certain times a year that they're just so much more. I would say during Samhain, for me, they're a little bit more intrusive. 
<laughs> like they don't know bounds. Like there's no boundaries there. They're just like, oh, I'm coming in. You're going to hear me. You're going to talk to me. I'm going to be oh, no. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. What, whereas with Beltane, it's like there's a shift, but they're not intrusively shifting. (laughs) I almost wonder, like, you know, maybe this is a better explanation for it, but everybody wants to be a witch around Halloween, right? And I wonder if people are just opening themselves up more psychically and allowing a greater ability of communication with these spirits versus, you know, around Beltane, they're not really thinking about that. So maybe they're a little bit more shut off. So maybe that could be an explanation of why the spirits are more active and more like, oh my gosh, like, let's talk right now. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're more like, let's go. We're going to have this conversation and that's it. And I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're washing the dishes. We need to talk. It's been a while, you know? Um, and, and during Beltane, they still respect my boundaries. Let's put it that way. But there you, go. you definitely feel the shift. People are though in that mindset around Samhain to be more open, more wanting to communicate, more, wanting to do, you know, candle work and candle magic and get into spell crap. Like all of that stuff is, is more of a Samhain time over here for us. Right. So that may be the reason it's a, it's a little easier for the spirit to just come on in and contact because you're a little bit more vulnerable, so to speak, when you're open. I mean, who doesn't want to do a seance at midnight in a old haunted house in Salem, right? Uh, Well, yeah, of course. I mean, that's the best place to do it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think this topic of feeling shifts of energy is actually one that we should probably dive into a little bit more because this is something that as a witch is, I don't know, I would say like a pretty, I want to say crucial. That's not, that's not the right word, but it's something that witches generally are able to do. Not everybody can sense and feel energy, but I also think that people get in their heads about if they can sense and feel energy to begin with. So for example, I think the, the biggest one I'll tell people who are a little bit in their head and and they're finding it hard to feel a shift in anything is I, I asked them if they've ever walked into a room when, and they could just tell something happened. Like, either somebody just finished crying or there was an argument or even if there was like a party in there and they just like did a big toast or something. I think everybody has at least experienced that. Or have you ever been in a room and you just feel like somebody walks in behind you and maybe somebody's there, maybe somebody not, but that sense of something, something happened or someone was there. I think most people can relate to that experience, at least at some level. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, there's definitely a change in energy. Like you could go to the same exact restaurant two nights in a row, sit in the same exact chair. But if somebody sat there in between you and was a young and wild and having fun and laughing and joking around, you know, you're going to sit there and now you're going to almost, you're going to feel that energy. So you're going to almost take on that same energy. Um, and then the next night you go and you had somebody who was a little bit older, not really partying, a little exhausted, just kind of there just for the hell of it. And then you sit in that same chair and you're like, same restaurant, same food. I'm with the same people. Why am I feeling different? So it's the energy doesn't actually leave that space until it's cleansed. If that Do, do you feel the same? Oh, uh, definitely. And I mean, it, it made me start thinking about have you ever been in a situation where you, I don't know, we're just feeling like whatever. And then you're in a crowded room and the crowd gets really hyped up about something. And all of a sudden you feel super energetic too. And you're hyped up with them. And 
you might not even really care what they're talking about. You could be at a sports bar. Yes. Maybe you don't care for sports, but everyone's cheering. So you're like, woo. So like, you are too. Yes. It's just like, you know, you just take on the energy, but you could definitely feel the shift in it from, you know, different space, like different places. Exactly what you were saying. Like you'll, you'll know if somebody was in there crying or, you know, really sad or, or having a great time, or maybe there was a fight, there will be a change in your energy when you feel the shift in that energy. Yeah. And I think that when you are doing things like spells or casting a circle or anything in that nature, I think it's important to keep this in the back of your mind and keep an eye out. And I, I don't know if that's the right word, but keep a sense out for Did you feel something shift when you lit the incense? Did you feel something shift when you cast the circle? Did you feel a shift when you set an incantation for a spell that you're doing? Because these are super important to pick up on. And if you don't pick up on it the first time, the second time, the third time, the 10th time, that's okay. I think it's just really doubling down on your practice and meditating, which is a whole nother topic we could talk about. Meditation is so super duper important, but I do agree with you that at some point or another, you will in fact feel that shift. So, um, during, you know, the incense being lit, the circle being cast and the incantation during the spell, you're going to feel that shift. You're going to feel certain, a kind of power behind it. Um, but let's go back to meditation because nobody really enjoys it, but it's so important with witchcraft. <laughs> oh my God. It is so important. And I, I had a friend who just tried to commit to doing a meditation practice every day for a week. And she was under the assumption that it was going to be pretty easy. She had committed th- or 15 minutes a day, which 15 minutes of meditation doesn't sound like a lot of meditation. It doesn't sound too complicated, but like when was the last time you took 15 minutes out of your day to do something that maybe you didn't really feel like doing because you were busy doing something else or like, I, I, you know, feel that it was necessary, right? Like it was like, not that not necessary, that maybe those are the wrong words, but like, you never, you were never mindful of the fact that you needed to take the 15 minutes to sit there and do the meditation. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, this is just my view on it and feel free to disagree with me, but I feel like it's kind of like saying, okay, I'm going to start going to the gym and having a healthy exercise routine because it's so sorry if y'all hear this in the recording, by the way, loud cars going by, but it's so, so important to be physically healthy and to move your body to the best of your ability. But sometimes you just really don't feel like going to the gym. Like even if you're like, oh, I'll just do cardio for 20 minutes or something. Like that doesn't sound like a long time on paper, but when you are on that elliptical or that treadmill for 20 minutes, it doesn't feel like 20 minutes. You are in a liminal space where time does not exist. And all of a sudden it feels like an hour and two minutes have gone by. Um, I feel like meditation can kind of have a similar thought of like, oh, well, I, I should do it, but like, do I want to go or like, do I want to do it? It's hard. It, it's, it could be really hard to get into this type of practice. It's very hard. And it's, I mean, okay, not very hard, but it is challenging to say, okay, I am going to do this every single day and put a time on it, you know, uh, because there will be days and I'm not going to lie that I will sit down and it will be three minutes. And I'm like, okay, that's all I have today. But I, at least I know that I did it. 
you know? Yeah, the three minutes, listen, three minutes of meditation world is is at least 30 minutes somewhere Right? Else. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I feel like. But it is so important because it's important for the grounding. It's important for, you know, being present. And that's what I think that we as a society will sometimes struggle with is the being present. And meditation is key, even though not many people want to hear that. It is key. It's it's really the key to like, it, it unlocks a lot of magical secrets. <laughs> Yes, in a way that you wouldn't expect because meditation can help you with a couple of things, right? So it can yes. help you getting into trance work and being able to focus in a ritual setting. It can especially help, and I'm sure, Joanne, you'd have a lot to say about this with different, and we might have talked about, about this in the last episode, but differentiating the voice in your head versus the voice coming from a deity or a spirit. Yeah. Meditation is going to help you with that. It's also going to help you stay calm in very stressful situations. Because let me tell you, if you're ever in the middle of doing some very intense magic that is a lot more intense than you anticipated, and you're mm -hmm. like, okay, I got to get through this and I got to do this, mm -hmm. meditation is going to help you out. Yeah, because you need to be there and you need to be present. And that's all you need to focus on is that. And when you meditate, that's that's what you're doing. I mean, listen, the first all right, the first few minutes, maybe, okay, will be you just kind of quieting your own mind, shutting up the own voice, shut, you know, shutting out the rest of the world, whether it be the cat, the dog, whatever, the air purifier, as you could probably hear in my background, things like that. So it's shutting out the outside world. And then when you're in it, it's all about diving deeper into your inside world. That could be a scary place to go. Yeah, it is. It's it's <laughs> definitely a scary place to go for sure. I'm like, what? Sometimes people don't want to spend that one-on-one -on -one time with themselves. And that's where things like therapy or some people, you know, shadow work, whatever. Yes. Say comes in. But yeah, sometimes just being quiet with yourself is uncomfortable. And it's discipline. That's the word I was looking for. Discipline. Discipline. <laughs> yep. That's it. Being disciplined. It takes me back to like, it's going to sound so silly, but like it takes me back to like Karate Kid. Like you need to be disciplined. <laughs> like you may not want to do it, but you have to do it. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to get at. I think earlier with saying about going to the gym where sometimes you just really don't go, feel like going yeah. for whatever reason, like you're tired, you just want to sit home and, and hang out with your family or whatever it is. But having that discipline to stay with that because that's, you know, becoming physically healthy um, and meditation is a way to become, to help your mental health. And it, it's hard sometimes to want to do things that are good for us. Oh, it definitely is. It, it really is. Especially when, I, I mean, it's taken a, a bit of practice. I, I'd be lying if I said it, what it didn't to really quiet, to quiet your thoughts is very difficult. I find yeah. And, you know, there's ways to meditate I, I've found through the years that are not so, at least for me, quote unquote, boring. So you can use things like singing bowls. Singing bowls are great. Yes. They're a little expensive, but if you go to your local metaphysical shop, they usually have small ones that work perfectly fine. You can probably get those for like 15 to $20, some, maybe even 10 Those work great. There are these wooden boards that you can buy on places like Etsy and they have different... Um, symbols in them like I have one that's a labyrinth and it has this little wooden pencil and you just sit there and you trace out this circular pattern over and over and over again it's kind of like never ending 
And that can lure you into a trance state that can lure you into a meditative state that really just gets your mind out of yourself. Um, If that makes sense, meditation doesn't have to look like you're just sitting on the floor right? wherever, clearing your mind and just waiting for the timer to go off. Yeah. Sometimes just doing the same thing over and over again. I, I sometimes find that I can go into a meditation while I'm washing the dishes because I'm not really having to think about what I'm doing. I'm just doing the same thing over and over, like what you're talking about with the board. I mean, obviously a little different. There's water involved and, you know, (laughs) but it's just like, I could be sitting there just doing that. And then all of a sudden I'm in another place and I'm like, okay, I would almost consider that to be somewhat of a meditation. (laughs) Oh, I 100% would. I know so many people who will do things like cleaning just in general, if they need to clear their mind or need to calm down from a situation. And part of it is the physical exertion that's helping them clearing their mind. But sometimes, yeah, things like, I don't know about you, like when I vacuum, that could become a very meditative thing because I'm just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with the vacuum. And then it's this loud roar, but it kind of like, kind of mellows out. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of mellows out after a while. So like that could be a definitely a meditative state. Um, But yeah, meditation doesn't have to be so boring, at least in my opinion. (laughs) And it doesn't have to look like what, what some people will say it has to look like, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. You know, one of the things I really like doing if I am having a a hard time with meditation and just getting into that mindset, like, is my mind just really not letting me do it? It's going to sound kind of silly, but swaying a little bit, not like rocking back and forth like crazy, but just kind of swaying to the side. Um, I know some people do that if they have certain um, things like ADHD or or ADD or things like that. Um, But just in general, anybody could do this. And it is extraordinarily useful, I find, of really helping to kind of rock yourself into a lull. Yeah. 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 I've never done that method before. But um, (laughs) speaking of swaying, I have used my body as as a pendulum. <laughs> Ooh, that's super cool. How'd you do that? Basically just one day it was like, you know what? I don't have the tool. I don't have the actual tool and, and there's no reason why I cannot use my body. So I basically programmed myself the way I would a pendulum and I'm like, what way for yes? And just <laughs> went with, with the flow of the energy. And then I was like, what way for no? Went with the flow of the energy and yeah. So if I ever don't have my pendulum around, I'm like, hold on, just let me sit here. <laughs> I'm going to do it real quick. <laughs> I love that because when it comes to witchcraft and magic, you know, you don't need the tools. Like you can, you are the witch. You, like, you the have tools. the magic. <laughs> yep. You are the tool. That's uh, super sick. I love that. Uh, and, and I love that you specifically mention in this of, okay, which way do you want me to go for yes? Which way do you want me to go for no? Because I have an issue with those pendulum boards that you can buy that preset yes and no. Oh, yes. I don't use those. Ash. Yeah. I, like, I don't use them. I I want it to do its own thing, if that makes sense. Like I want exactly. it to go whatever way it feels like going. You know, like you don't control a Ouija board, right? You kind of just make it, it just goes wherever the spirit wants to communicate with you. So I feel that the pendulum is 
the same thing. The only thing I would suggest, and this is only my opinion, but the only thing I would suggest is to kind of refrain from using the pendulum to ask like, I don't want to say silly questions because no question is silly, but I try to use one pendulum for like my more major say questions, um, or if I'm looking for something. So I'll make sure I put the intent in it when I'm charging it. And then the other one I use is my, I call it my party pendulum. So when I go and do psychic parties that way people can ask it any kind of questions it wants, because, um, I've just learned that through the years, sometimes it doesn't want to answer those silly questions that you may already have the answers to. And, then you might get a false response. <laughs> Whereas if you're like, I lost my grandmother's ring, please show me what way to do it, where it is or what way to go. It'll direct you in, in that spot. I need to try that out. I've never used the pendulum to ask for something. And now I'm sitting here realizing I should probably do this because if, I mean, if my watch is out, I'll usually use that to be like, find my iPhone. But um, sometimes it doesn't like doing that because it's like, yeah. oh, I don't know where it is. And I'm like, shit, well, I don't either. So next time I need to pull up my pendulum when that happens. That's so funny. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, and you know what else is good for finding things? It's it just popping in like so random. Um, a butter knife. Really? How do you, <laughs> do you use like dowsing rods or something? So Yeah. So you just put the butter knife on the floor and just ask it you know, in what direction, like, this is more so for, you know, if you misplace something, um, in what direction is it? And you spin it and then it'll show you what direction to look in. Um, and if it's outside of the house that you feel that you've left it in, just take a piece of paper and write, you know, the, the directions, East, West, North, South, and then just spin it on that. And yeah. It's very interesting. We could use so many different things. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I've never heard of that, but I am going to try that out for sure. Well, That'd actually be like a cool party trick, wouldn't it be? That's like, what I'm saying. Bring something and like, okay, we're going to hide it in the house and ask the butter knife. Like, yes. like, And I feel like everybody has a butter knife. Not everybody has a pendulum, but everybody does have their own body. So if you program your body to be your pendulum, then you're good. Yeah, yeah. And going back to the boards, you know, I, I just don't like the board because I think it's so important to ask the pendulum what it wants to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, Joanna, as you're saying, you have two different pendulums that act differently from each other. And I think that's also really important to know too about different divination tools. No tool is going to be the same. You might have one tarot deck that's rider weight and shit, you might have another tech that deck that's also rider weight, but are they going to act the same? Probably not. Most, most definitely not. I have, so I read from a regular playing deck and, um, they don't read the same way. They, they don't, it's just different energy, different ways that I charge them. So I'll charge one for myself and then one for clients. And when I find that I'm getting the same answers over and over, I'll be like, okay, are you ready to go out into the public now? <laughs> I asked the card deck and it's just like, yes, it's time. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think it's interesting to think about two things like playing cards versus tarot decks of, I got to figure out the best way to phrase this. So bear with me. But yeah. the amount of like the sheer amount of people who have used a tarot deck and have all programmed the exact same thoughts or at least relatively same of this card means this, this card means that. Um, you know, it's like variations here and there. And then 
the cards tapping into that energy. Wow, that sounds so woo-woo. But the, <laughs> the, the egregore of the cards, I guess, is what I'm kind of trying to say of, of years and years and years of, of people saying the high priestess card means whatever the high priestess card is. I don't read tarot, but I would like to. <laughs> I, I don't, don't either, so I can't, I can't help you with that. <laughs> but does this make sense what I'm trying to say? I am I not explaining this correctly or no. like very well. I, I get it. I totally understand what you're saying, but I don't, I don't know, you know, so I don't read the tarot. I don't even read the playing deck to be, to be honest. When I, when I do my readings, I just shuffle through and if, and if they fall out, I will in fact interpret it for the client. Um, but I'm very big on, because I'm doing mediumship, I'm very big on not reading the tarot because I, I am familiar with what the quote unquote definition is of each card. So for instance, the tower, right? You see the tower and you're like, oh shit, it's falling apart. And then, I don't know, grandma Betty is like, your life is great. Everything's going good. It's in the right direction. You're going to start questioning that. Well, I am anyway. So I'm just like, all right, well, I'm a medium and I'm doing mediumship. So I have to listen to grandma Betty. So that's who I'm going with. And that's the reason why I don't go with the tarot. I kind of, I respect it. I know that there's a proper way of reading it. There's a book on it, the 78 degrees of tarot. And I started to read it. And then I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I know that I'm not gonna, <laughs> I know I'm not gonna, why, why am I doing this? Yeah. I feel like I would, I, in your situation, I'd probably trust that grandma Betty is going to say if she's channeling directly through you versus the cards. Yeah. Yeah. And now I just know I, we, we just, I just went off on a tangent with that, but it was just, I'm like, yeah. No, no. <laughs> I think it's important to note that there are many different types of divination out there. I'm not saying mediumship is a divination. Um, but getting to what I'm trying to say is if you're trying to, you know, develop your inner, witch, <laughs> looking into yeah. different types of divination and just know that if you don't connect with pendulums or you don't connect with tarot, but maybe you connect with runes or maybe you're really great with scrying or maybe none of these you're great with, that's okay. And part of nurturing this inner witch of, of yourself is finding out what divination method works well for you. And that could be something that you just happen to fall into immediately. Or it could be something that you're like, you know what? I thought I was really going to like this. And it turns out that I hate it. And I know at least two people that have done a divination project for an outer court for training. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember one of them did tea leaf reading and she was so excited to learn how to read tea leaves. And at the very end of her presentation, when she was done researching it for a month or two, she came to me and she was like, Ashley, I am never going to do this ever again. I fucking hated it. I hated daily reading. And I was like, hey, that's okay. At least you tried it out and you learned something, right? She's like, I guess, but I hate it. And I'm like, all right, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, it's just not the things that we set out when we begin thinking this is going to be my quote, my, my thing, right? My, this is going to be how I do divination or a lot of times it changes. It flips the script on us sometimes. <laughs> I started out um, doing my divination into black coffee. Like that's, that's what it, what I did. I, I sat there with a cup of coffee every day, every single day, um, and stared into this cup of black coffee and tried to get the messages. And I thought it was great because the messages were coming through. And then a lot like what you're saying, 
I'm like, I don't love this. (laughs) This is not for me. I don't love it. Yeah, you know, and and that's okay. And if you want to think about this in a mundane way, just, I don't know, thinking of like a personal thing I could say. Personal, God, that sounds so extreme what I'm going to (laughs) say. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And as I grew up and went to school, I realized I'm not that great with math. As it turns out, and guess what? You need to be really great with math to be able to get into medical school or veterinary school. And so I really, really thought that's what I wanted to do. And then, you know, when I was actually learning as an academic, I was like, um, as much as I wanted to do this, it turns out that's not where my talents are going to be lying. So I am going to find where I do align. Right. We, we change our paths, change our journeys they all change and it's not right or wrong. I just feel that you need to be confident, especially when you're beginning or, you know, seeking witchcraft, <laughs> you you need to be confident in, in yourself. Absolutely. So I think we should shift probably onto a new topic of how to nurture your inner witch. And I have a bunch of ideas. I mean, some of them involve read a book, read many books, make yes. an altar, Make your own, try a spell, make your own incense, uh, try different forms of magic. What would you like to tackle (laughs) for this topic? Love it. Love it. I I do like some herbal magic. I I think that it's important to tap into that. I I love, personally, I'm a big fan of candle magic, seeing how it unfolds. I I just, and it's quick because it's fire. It's the element. (laughs) Like, let's just get this shit done. Uh, <laughs> where else can we go with that? I mean, oh my gosh, there's like so many things. So many. We could talk about spells. Love spells. <laughs> yes. I mean, everybody wants to be a witch and everybody wants to cast a spell, right? Yes. Yes. Everybody does. And, and it all depends on so, so important to listen to your own inner self, your, your, intuition like really allow your intuition to guide you especially when it comes to like what type of spell work you like i say try it all and see what sits with you see what resonates (laughs) yeah so with spells there's a lot of things with this and i've seen beginner books saying for those who are brand new in witchcraft to do things like calling your power back to you which sounds so lovely and so nice but if you don't really resonate with something like that that's fine too i've also seen a lot of just spell books in general. And I have a lot of opinions on those as somebody who actually owns quite a number of spell books on my bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily have a negative opinion of spell books if that's where you think I'm going. Yeah. But I do think it is so important that if you were going to do a spell from a book, and I do not bash that at all, I think it is so, so, so crucial that you personalize the spell, one, with what you have, or at least what is feasible for you to get for it. And two, make sure it aligns with yourself. Uh, Because if you're doing a spell that, let's say, for example, you're doing a money spell and the money spell calls for a green candle, but in your country, maybe money isn't the color of green, or maybe you absolutely hate green. Maybe you just broke up with your ex and that was their favorite color. And right now that's a very sensitive color for you to look at because you have some emotional tie to it. Find a color that works for you because ultimately this is your energy that you are using to create an outcome. And if you don't put part of yourself into that, then your outcome is not going to be the best that it can be. 
Correct. And I also like, I have a bunch of spell books as well. And what I have found so that I find something that resonates with me is, and, and if you disagree, please let me know. But I've pulled like from different books and kind of like made my own. So like put it together to where it suited me and suited the intent and what I was, you know, the outcome that I was seeking. Um, and just put them together for what fit right for me. Yeah. And so I had an episode that I did a while back called is intention really everything. And one thing I want to mention is that with spell books, while I'm saying to make sure you pick something that aligns with you, I also want to talk about the other flip side of that, that not everything is a substitute for something else. So you'll see a oh. lot. Yeah. You'll see a lot of pictures, especially like random witch memes on the internet or Pinterest or Tumblr or Twitter. I think nobody really uses Pinterest and Tumblr anymore, but Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. Um, People saying, oh, well, you can substitute rosemary in any spell. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't. And uh, the co-host for that episode gave a really good example as to why you can't do that. And it was something along the lines of, and if this wasn't the exact example, it's still going to work, I promise. But let's say you're making chili, okay? And you're out of chili powder. You're mm. not going to substitute chili powder for rosemary just because that's an herb that's <laughs> correct <laughs> but what, what you can do and what you should do is find some sort of close alternative to it that's somewhat related like you could do a mix of paprika and cumin and cayenne pepper and that's as right. close to chili powders you're gonna get so this translates the same way into spell work that has different ingredients please don't use rosemary as a substitute for anything in a spell it's it's not gonna not going to work the way you want it to work. It just doesn't work. It just, it doesn't work. I do believe that you can, you can sometimes substitute, um, for instance, I think we've may have discussed this before, uh, but cinnamon. Okay. So I grew up in a household that didn't have every single herb, you know, so we would substitute, but make it within reason. So like, I will sometimes use I most of the time use cinnamon for my money spells, okay? But it doesn't mean that I wouldn't advise somebody to use it for a love spell as long as it's that lust love. I wouldn't use it for the long-time marriage love. If that makes sense, I would I would use it for more of that fire love. Like oh. I feel like in that situation you can substitute, but I'm not going to use rosemary for money. I'm going to then use basil if somebody's allergic to cinnamon. So there yeah. are substitutes. Like at least try to get the same magical properties if you can, as close as you can to it. Cinnamon's also, uh, I used it in a money spell before and it worked really well. Oh, it works. It definitely works as long. And then of course, you know, let's not forget your intent, but no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put rosemary in everything. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, so it's, it's kind of like a fine line between all of this, right? Because on one hand you need to work, use what works for you. On the other hand, you need to see if the ingredients you're using are at least similarly related to the outcome. Do they have the properties that you're looking for? And you can find, honestly, the, the magical properties of any herb or any oil 
just Googling it, just say like magical yeah. properties of rosemary or magical properties of cinnamon, whatever it is, or you can find it in different books, but Google is free y'all. Yeah. Um, and Google, you could just put in like herbs used for money and, yep. and it'll give you a whole list. You know what I mean? I, I use cinnamon cause it's, it works. It works for me and you know, why not? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And I would recommend if you do that, check more than one site for the herb that you're using because (laughs) there's so much information on the internet, but that doesn't mean all of it's great. And misinformation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's information and a lot of misinformation. So like rosemary being a substitute for everything. Right. (laughs) Uh, And yeah. And then there's also this other part of it too, that um, some of the things that you're using in your spells aren't necessarily for you, but they're for the spirits that you might be count or attracting. So a lot of incense blends out there might smell horrible, absolutely mm-hmm. horrible and rancid and disgusting to yes. us living people. But let me tell you, some of those incense blends, these spirits eat that shit up and they, they love, love it. it. They, they love, love it. it. <laughs> and so it's this weird line between you got to work, do what works for you, but also you kind of have to look at like, all right, well, am I at least like trying to get something close to that outcome? And also if I don't really like it, but the spirits like it, that's a thing too. So it's very much like a triple sided, yeah. I, I don't want to say a love triangle, but it's, it's like a triangle. It is. In, a, in a sense it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and it can be hard to navigate that as a beginner. And I think that that's where coming in and um, practicing and, and trying multiple spells really is going to benefit you because you kind of learn where those lines are. Yes. Yeah. You have to try it. Try it. Try it once. <laughs> exactly. Try it at least once. See, see. And then, you know, I also find that when you do that and you do try it, you may like this part of it, but you don't like that part of it. And then you're like, okay, well, like I said, where I take some from this one and I take some from that one, and then I'll just add a little something from myself. It's like, it's really like making a recipe, like as if you're cooking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spell work is definitely like cooking. I mean, you could, you could do a spell for something where the energy raising or the energy burning is just lighting a candle because that's a form of energy. Yes. The same, right. Yes. Um, and you could do the spell and maybe nothing happens. But then maybe you try that exact same spell, but instead of lighting a candle, you're running around your living room, dancing, getting into an ecstatic state. And then once you kind of reach your peak and you're breathing heavy and hard, you're pushing that energy into a sigil. Mm-hmm. But it could be the exact same thing. It's just a different form of energy. A different so, form. Yeah. So it's so important to figure out what that method looks like for you that's going to get you there. And also it's so important when you're doing spells to have them measurable in some way. And sometimes even putting a time limit because you don't want to be waiting three years to see if a spell worked. Oh yeah. Yeah, please. I mean, that's the same thing with uh manifestation. A lot of manifestation spells, like you want to put your intent into it and you want to put a time frame on it. Like you're creating it. You want an outcome and you want it in this amount of time. You kind of have to sound somewhat demanding. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Without being rude. you need to be demanding yeah so i would recommend you know look online for some spell books um buy some spell books your local library might even have some um and on the topic of books 
Oh my God. Read them, please. Please read the book. There's so many out there. There's so, so many. And again, like some authors may resonate with you and others won't. And that's okay. The ones who don't, that's fine. But at least try your best to read. I mean, I have so many, so many books and I'll say I've read them. Um, Some of them I don't ever reread, but then there are others where I read over and over again. All it, it just depends on what I'm trying to get, I guess, from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've always heard there's value in reading books that are not favored as well, because you get to learn why as the years go on. So when I first started this podcast, and I was so so new in the craft, I recommended for everybody to read Scott Cunningham. Yes. And <laughs> now I have, like, that- all of his books, but you know, yeah, yeah. And now that I have been in the craft for Um, more years than I was when I first started the podcast and I have learned a little bit more about Scott Cunningham and the way that book came into fruition through Llewellyn. Mm -hmm. Um, I have learned that, you know, maybe that's not the best book. Maybe that's just not for me. Right. Maybe 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 that's that's not the best book for Wicca, but that was one of the first ones I read. So it has that place in my heart, but it took years of practice and reading other books to realize that. And I didn't know that at the time and that's okay. We always learn in the craft, right? Exactly. That's what it's about. It's, it's literally a school. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's a school and whether solitary or not, it's a school and there's constant learning and you never know all of it. You're just going to continue growing and learning and, you know, and then leaving out the things that don't resonate with you and knowing that it's okay to do that because what works for one does not necessarily work for the other. Exactly. So we're going to shift gears to the last couple minutes of this episode. But before we do that, I'm going to give a piece of advice for a beginner um, because I feel like I always ask people and I realize I don't really have something I say at the end either. But if you are brand new and trying to nurture your inner witch, then I would recommend, and this, this is like ceremonial magic, I believe, but there's something called the LBRP. I know I've talked about it on my podcast before but the lesser banishing ritual the pentagram yes try that out if you don't don't you know feel energy or if you just want to do something immediately that only takes two minutes i mean you're supposed to memorize it but you can read off the paper the first couple times it's fine i'm telling you the first time i did the lbrp i thought i was like i don't know what i'm gonna get from this like i don't know if i connect with these angel names and stuff let me tell you there was some shit behind that that I was not There's expecting. Definitely some shit behind that. I'm going to agree with you on that. Definitely learn it. <laughs> Do it. You'll see. You, you will see what you discover yeah. with it. <laughs> Joanne, do you have any recommendations for something somebody could do right off the bat if they kind of want to just jump head first into nurturing their inner witch? I would definitely, I mean, aside from the reading, aside from the meditation, I would definitely say um, pull a card for yourself a day. Pick pick a deck that uh, resonates with you, one that you like, whether it be Oracle or, or the Tarot. Do one for yourself per day. Uh, get familiar with it. Get familiar with your intuition and allow it to guide you. I love that. And that's also such a good way to get to learn your deck too. Yeah. It is. It definitely is. And then you'll figure out whether you even want to read it or not. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? I One of the first tarot decks I bought was so, so pretty. But let me tell you, I do not connect with that deck at all. It's gorgeous, but I get nothing from it. 
I re- I don't even read tarot. I have like ten of them. I have ten decks because they're pretty. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just how it goes. <laughs> yep, that's it. how it goes. <laughs> So I want to kind of connect this. So the LBRP was actually something that was done in the Dead Hot movie, which is the movie with Gigi McGree and Vanessa Hudgens. Gigi has been on my podcast and Joanne was also in that, in that movie. Yes, I was. It was awesome. Gigi's awesome. Vanessa's awesome. Gigi is, she is a phenomenal woman and so into learning about her inner self and, Oh my goodness. Discovering the craft. I mean, she is so on it. It, She's amazing. Yeah. So I bring it up because Joanne, as we mentioned in the last episode is a medium and uh, she has some cool classes that she does and offerings for people who are interested in getting a reading with her. So Joanne, would you mind talking about this to the listener? So if they ever wanted to get in contact with you and maybe get a reading, they know where to find you. Sure. You can find me over at witchytip.com and I offer readings and I'm doing mediumship development classes and I have a 90 day spiritual transformation bundle out now. So I'm super excited about that. The mediumship development is also awesome. I'm just excited about all of it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But those are, those are two that are out now. And then I have mediumship. I offer Reiki healing and psychic work. So, oh, and psychic parties, because, you know, as we come into October, who doesn't want to have a seance, right? (laughs) Exactly. And so for those classes, you said you can find those on your website to get in contact with you? Yes. Find it on witchytip.com. And I do go on live every day on Instagram and on TikTok. It's never at the same exact time. It's when I'm guided to actually tune in. So if you follow me on TikTok or on Instagram, it's J Rose Apothecary. And I think you get an alert for when I go live. So you'll, you'll be able to see it. Sometimes I try and schedule it, but I'm not always great at that. So for people who are interested in a psychic reading or a mediumship reading, would they be able to do this if they don't live in your area? Yes, I do them worldwide. I do them over the phone, over Zoom, over FaceTime, and even out of the country, I have Signal and WhatsApp. So I'm able to connect with everybody. (laughs) Awesome. And then if somebody wanted to find you in person, is there any events that you're doing around the country that people can find you at? So right now, October 14th, I will be in New York at the Sleepy Hollow Street Fair. And I know that I will be out on Long Island at a place called Malore Restaurant. I'm doing a psychic night there. And I do have a few other things coming up, but I do my best to update my website on the calendar. So again, witchytip.com, you look on my calendar and you can find me in person. Awesome. And I want to add that this is happening now in 2023. So yes, if you're listening to this, this, this uh, a year or so from now, yes, this is this is 2023, but I'm sure Joanne will keep her website, witchytip.com, updated with all of her appearances. A hundred percent. Awesome. Well, if anybody wants to find me, you can find me on Facebook at Seeking Witchcraft Podcast, on Instagram at Seeking Witchcraft, Twitter or X, that sounds wrong, but at uh, <laughs> Seeking Witchcraft. I have a Patreon if anyone's interested in supporting the show, which is witchcraft or patreon.com slash Seeking Witchcraft. And I have a Facebook group associated with the podcast called Witches Seeking Witchcraft 
feel free to join that and ask any questions about any of the episodes or any of the speakers. A couple of them are in there and they like responding to people and hearing what they have to ask. Uh, yeah. So, so Joanne, thank you so, so much for coming on. This was so much fun. And you're right. This flew by. Uh, It did. It just flew by. I was just like, okay, it doesn't matter if we don't have anything set in stone to discuss. It's just going to happen. So thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. It's always nice chatting with you. Absolutely. And same to you. I I feel like we could have gone on for a whole nother hour, but 100%. (laughs) that's how it goes. So thank you again for coming on and thank you so much, everybody for listening. And we'll talk to you again all very soon. Bye. See you soon.